So, uh, big news. Um, Bennett High School won the state championship game. It's a real Friday night light situation. It is. Um, and uh, you could be the Tim Riggins, Jim. You could be like you could be like the guy, you know, that everybody wrote off. You're you're the sexy bad boy, but ultimately you're the heart of the team. I think that'd be you. Well, I'm I'm interested in uh, a little adventure I have. So the Buffalo Public Schools announced that they're going to get championship rings for the Bennett football team. Uh, but I have an idea for what the ring should be because it, it you know it's not they're not the Los Angeles Rams, they're not going to have three thousand carats and diamonds. And I mean, I don't think BPS is going to afford that. But you know, we're talking about Gen Z, right? Oh yeah, or maybe even Gen. What's the one after? Is there one after Gen Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, sure. Uh, we're we're just bringing it back to the silent generation. <laughs> they um, shut the fuck up. Uh, but they like you know they like to partake in consuming narcotics or drugs. But what, what about like if it's just nicotine? What if it's a ring combo vape and they could just right on their ring right while they're in class? Now that. That is a great idea. So, like, it's it can be, you know, yes, we are state champions, and also this is how I get all my nicotine. Uh, cigarettes, I'll sell to the losers. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you, you're 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 smoking cigs like you're already down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why Jim sells them to you because right, <laughs> he knows a good market when he sees one. But mm-hmm. yes, they should all turn their championship rings into vapes. And you know what? Even if they don't do that for them, you should refashion your championship ring into vapes because that's what I see all of the young people now doing. Right. Just constantly vaping. Right. That's uh, come to my new business, Vapo Rings. I like it. I like it. We're we're always in business here, folks. We're always looking for ways to, to make money. Uh, here at the Square Podcast. So, Vapo Rings, we're hoping that takes off. Barring that, Jim's cigarette sales to children. And barring that, uh, here comes the PBS News Hour, News Hour, begging for money hour. Uh, we are the Square Podcast. Thank you for joining us here. As always, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com, the Square Podcast, search us up, uh, give us money, stock our beer fridge. Um, also, join our Discord because it's always popping in there. You want to know what's going on in Buffalo? You listen to us. You know, we're reading the news. I mean, reading. We can't read. But we we see pictures of the news. We watch the TV about the news. And we react to it. But if you want real time, you want to hear what the people are saying, hop on our Discord, Square Podcast Discord. It's always a good time. Our boy Gavin uh, is moderating it. We got some... Just excellent top tier posters. You know, everybody. Twitter is a dying. It's a dinosaur now, Jim. It's 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 just going to shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's like MySpace. It it's bad, folks. So if you want the you want the real good shit about Buffalo and about Western New York in real time, hop on our Discord. Now, moving a pace here, Jim. So Bennett High, they won the championship. Right, they beat. Nobody cares? believed in them. Right, nobody believed in them. Uh, well, or or maybe people believed in them too much and said, "What? Well, what if we take away a bunch of their wins?" Ooh, yeah. They... So, uh, so technically, they did not go undefeated this year. No, because they had to forfeit a bunch of wins. In actual games played, they never lost. Do you think they're the first like zero and six team to win the state championship? I mean. Probably there can't be too many, uh, you know, teams that uh, yes lost six games and were also state champions. Damn, it's not like it's not like at least in football, right? I would gladly have that banner up like zero and six regular season like state champions. That rules. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's uh, I it's I, I can't wait for this to be on Jeopardy in like fifteen years. Like who was the first O in six New York State public football champion? We got to get ourselves some like Bennett Bulldogs jerseys or something. Well, maybe we you know we've been talking about so much. Maybe they'll they'll add us to the list for rings. Oh hell yeah, dude! I would love a Vapo ring. Yeah, that'd be sick. So yeah, they beat who the hell cares by who knows how much, but <laughs> yeah. they won the state championship. Might as well be a million, right? Well, congrats to the Bennett High uh, Bulldogs and their young men of the football squad. 
Mm-hmm. But the news. Oh, the news. The news. It's it's happening. And, you know, sometimes we have good news for the people, Jim. Other times we have old news. It's coming back with a vengeance for the people. ShotSpotter. You remember ShotSpotter. That questionable program that has a ton of funding by police organizations that they really wanted to shove down our throats here in the city of Buffalo. And the city council said, no, thank you. We don't want that. We don't care for that. Well, Jim, it turns out nobody actually cares what you care for or the city council cares for. Yeah, I mean, well, we talked about this before because I I was at the stakeholder breakfast um, when when this shot spotter showed up. And they were like, yeah, we'll we'll just do a a test run in just Maston. And then if we do it just Maston, then apparently we we don't think we need full common council approval. Um, there seems to be some disagreement whether or not they still need full common council approval to do this uh, test run. But, yeah, I mean, like I said at the time, um, they asked the shot spotter rep, uh, I think it was a current Buffalo Fire Department guy, a firefighter, who was like, hey, you know, you're in 400-some other cities, can you tell me like how much crime has gone down in those cities? And the response was, we have increased calls to police, which is not the same thing. Um, and as I, I pointed out to some people, I already mentioned to them that like, they basically were associating that like more calls to police meant safer. And I wanted to point out, I was like, well, the town of Amherst gets a lot fewer calls to police than the city of Buffalo. Therefore, town of Amherst much more dangerous. I'm I'm going to read a little bit of the Buffalo News article here. I think it's worth reading because we often memory hole a lot of this stuff and things that happened. Like well, you, you heard it here first. Read things the Buffalo News sometimes worth reading. Sometimes, well, no, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to tell you why it's it's so not worth reading actually because we memory hole these things and you read the news on a day to day and the Buffalo News provides you very little context at times and. You're just like, oh, shot spotter. What's that? I think I heard of that before. And you forget that, like, the city council just said, no, we don't want that fucking bullshit. But, all right, the Buffalo News. Uh, Aaron Besecker, who is a good reporter. I'll give him that. I like Aaron. Gunfire detection system shot spotter may be up and running in Buffalo's Maston District in May or June. All right. A six-month test of an acoustic gunshot detection service in the Maston District is on track to start in May or June pending approval by the Common Council, representatives of the company said Saturday. Plans for a pilot program using technology from ShotSpotter continue to move forward. Continu- I love that. They continue to move forward, Jim, even though the Common Council overrode Byron Brown's veto and said, no, we don't want ShotSpotter. But they continue to move forward. Well, it, 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 talking about like this, this program, one of the things that they mentioned was that like trees fuck up with the system or fuck with the system pretty b- badly. So, like, they don't want more trees planted. In fact, they would like to cut trees down that exist. And they're going to be putting these microphones on private property. And we're going to let private a private organization, a private company, own, like, all this the this big brother type of oh yeah 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 orwellian type of fucking bullshit right you've got this you know, this you know, the orwellian um where they're listening in on everything and it's gonna be a private entity that owns it i mean i i not that i want the government to own that either but like nobody should be doing that and we're like willingly we're like please come on in into like our more most distressed neighborhood and our most distressed uh council district and record everything that everybody's doing at all times. Uh, from the article. So, uh, yeah, plans for a pilot program using technology from ShotSpotter continue to move forward, with city lawmakers expected to soon consider approving a contract with no financial cost to the city. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> with no financial cost to the city while it evaluates the service, officials said following a meeting in the Delavan Grider Community Center. Buffalo police and the company say installing the system would allow officers to respond more quickly to shooting scenes, which would allow shooting victims to get treatment sooner and would boost the chance of police being able to collect evidence. Supporters also say the system of sound sensors would notify them of incidents of gunfire that don't get reported by people calling 911. And I have to say, like your whole premise here 
is that gunfire not getting reported to 911 is the reason that we get this. And I think to myself, like, you know, usually when you hear gunfire, people are probably calling 911 anyway. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they aren't. Maybe it is. I mean, a, a lot of stuff probably does get underreported, but like, they don't, but they're not saying anything about like the efficacy of like, the, certainly doesn't prevent crime. They're, they're now saying that it allows them to get there faster. Or are they gonna, like, are the microphones going to hop off the fucking building and, and act as EMTs? I don't think so. I mean, they're, they're just saying that we'll, we'll get calls. There's been widespread studies that have been done by independent organizations that it gets, it generates lots of false reports. And that's going to, like, so then you're going to have people speeding through neighborhoods, cops speeding through neighborhoods, trying to get to what they think is a, an active shooting or a, is a shooting. And then it was just somebody's fucking band practicing or a car backfiring or somebody dropping their laptop bag from too high of a distance. All right, moving on. ShotSpotter's detection system should be considered another tool to be used in addressing the problem of gun violence, said Maston Council member Ulysses Wingo. Dumber than dog shit. Who has said residents in his district strongly support trying out the technology. Quote, it's about adding to what we already have, Wingo said. And if the new system doesn't work, the city won't sign up to be a paying customer, he said. No, we'll just put in all their fucking microphones all over the Maston district. And then, you know, it doesn't work. Okay, I guess you guys can take out your microphones. Or what's likely going to happen is people are going to fucking forget. And then we'll just have shots better. But right. The, the minute you let these people move in, they're there forever. Right. And, right. And, and, and also, like, you know, this is like, you know, oh, we'll, we'll give it to you six months for free. Like drug dealers or like me selling foot picks. Like the first one's free. <laughs> But, like, you have to pay for the rest. Second one's half off. Right, yeah. But, like, like I'm sure the way the contract's written is, like, oh, it's free. But if you guys don't sign a contract with us, you have to pay for us to, like, remove all those microphones and all the installation fees and all that stuff like that. And it'll end up costing the city a ton of fucking money, even if they do say no at the end of six months. Just say no now. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't do anything good. It's a, it, The only reports that have ever come out that said that it's efficient have been done by the company itself. Everybody who's done an independent study of it says it's dog shit. All right, continuing, Mayor Byron, Mayor, Mayor Byron W. Brown included funding for ShotSpotter in his budget proposal earlier this year, but lawmakers pulled the funds after criticism from some residents, advocates, and community leaders. Critics of ShotSpotter question whether there's any evidence the system reduces gun violence and argue using the system causes other problems. Yeah, because there's a fucking wealth of evidence showing that it doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. And it gives you a ton of false positives, and it basically leads us to, like, this police state where we're always being listened in on. Right. But other than that, some people say, Jim. Some people say. It, it, it's taken us, like, 45 years to, like, finally go, like, maybe the war on drugs was a bad idea. And we're going to, like, but, like, we still need to come up with ways to waste money on, on law enforcement. How about this one? I mean, and that's the other thing is that, like, I understand why, like, if you're law enforcement, especially if you're in leadership, you are in favor of shot spotter, whether you think it makes it safer or not, because it increases the number of calls, you can then go to the common council or whoever and say, look at all the calls we get. We need more staffing. I need more money. And that's what this is, is that this just generates more and more funding for law enforcement at the expense of other city resources. Buffalo police have said they don't know how much gunfire in the city goes unreported. ShotSpotter representatives have cited a 2016 analysis of data from Washington, D.C. and Oakland, California, that found only 12% of gunfire incidents result in a 9-11 call to report gunshots. At the meeting Saturday, they asserted less than 20% of gunfire incidents get reported on average. So they... Okay. So they asserted that from Washington, D.C. and Oakland, California, and, and then they just they extrapolate that from that. OK, not not really like I, I, would you consider either of those venues like comparable to Buffalo? No, I wouldn't necessarily consider them comparable to Buffalo. And I mean, even if you want to say that you think all areas, all urban areas are the same or even rural areas that like I don't understand how you could say with any confidence like, well, yeah, we less than 20 percent of gunshots are you 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 can you're just guessing or making or saying something but like 
you know, there's no way to like disprove that. There's no way to prove it either. You know, it's it's like I don't know, like it's like saying like I believe in a flying spaghetti monster. Like, well, I can't really disprove that. Wait, wait, wait for this. Wait for this fucking gem that we're about to lay on the people, Jim. The company would set up its equipment for the pilot program in locations existing police data show are hotspots for gunfire, uh, said Ron Teachman, director of public safety solutions for the company. So let me get this straight. You have areas where you know there's a lot of gunfire. Why? Because people hear it and they report it. So because gunfire is so underreported, we're going to put it in those hotspots. We know there's a lot of gunfire. You fucking morons. Are you kidding me? Are you really trying to sell this to us? You, If it's a hot spot, then the police are there pretty regularly. No, because we know there's a lot of gunfire. Like, I, I don't understand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all that vapor ring money that I make and open a gun range down there and then just watch them go absolutely fucking bonkers. Like, the, the thinking would be you want it in areas where you don't necessarily have a lot of reports that you don't know are hot spots because if you know they're hot spots, then what's the utility of saying, Oh, there's gunfire in this area where we know there's constantly well, gunfire. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because they want to say, see how much it works. That, that's why they're like, they're only going to go for the areas where they know there's already lots of gunfire. They'd be like, look at all the reports we generated. You should put this citywide and give us millions of dollars a year. That's why they're doing it. They're clever as a Fox. That's the old saying, clever as a fox. Clever as a fox. Wow. The sensors would be placed on rooftops on private property with permission, as well as on utility poles. When the system, which includes computer analysis of the sounds, as well as human review, determine there's, determines there's been gunfire, officers are notified through the laptops or tablets in their cars, and they can also get notifications to their phones or smartwatches, Teachman said. That's awesome. You know, you know... I'm sure, again, I'm sure some cop on their beat duty, you know, getting like a million fucking false positives for gunshots every day. You know what's going to happen? Eventually, they're just going to say, eh, yeah, whatever. It's probably not a real alert. Right. It's going to be like like speeding on the Skajakwita. It doesn't it just doesn't matter. People are just going to do whatever they want. And also, can you imagine like. You, can you imagine being the people who have to like sit in like a, a call center and listen to to audio and be like, "Yeah, that was a gunshot." Nope, that was just somebody's Uncle Frank farting real loud. <laughs> like, like that's that's your job is just sitting. I'm sure in a windowless cell and listening to sounds all day long for shot spotter. Right, and I, I mean I, that's the good place. Well, right, and like. Again, whatever the fuck you feel about police, I know a lot of our listeners are like, oh, you know, wake up, whatever. That's not me. But what I am saying is like, no, no matter how you feel about police, like just just have a little sympathy here, just a little bit for that person who's in their their cop car. And like, look, let's say, God forbid, you know, something happens, you have to call the police because something happened, something terrible happened in your neighborhood or community. Do you want the cops that you need in that moment to be on a wild fucking goose chase for like false positive shot sounds because what if they're on the other side of the neighborhood because they had a a shot spotter alert and now we have some actual violence happening like this what well, look shot spotter is gonna it's gonna get passed or, or, or put through I, I hope it doesn't but if it does it's gonna get put through and it's gonna be in buffalo until what happens is that they get an alert the cops go racing there. Some kid runs into the street. The cop car hits a kid on their way to what turns out to be a false alert. And then people will get all upset about it and they'll get rid of it. That's how long we're going to have shot spotter for until some kid gets run over by a car. Right. I'm going to skip a little bit of this here. I mean, they, they do say that, you know, it's a, it's in a, used in about 140 cities across the country, including Rochester and Syracuse. Uh, Brown's budget proposal called for 250000 in spending on the system in the first can, year. Can we ask Rochester and Syracuse for their data to show how like it's it's decreased crime or uh, it's reduced incidence of gun violence in those cities? Those yeah. are more comparable than Oakland and D.C. Yes. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Why We should be asking. Why are we? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so, okay, 250000 a year in spending on the system in the first year, with subsequent annual costs estimated about 70000 per square mile of coverage. 70000 per square mile of coverage. 
I, there's a lot of things that we could probably be doing with that. First, with that initial $250,000, like, I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a little bit more of a sophisticated snow plowing system, Jim. Perhaps. Perhaps staffing for DBW. Maybe we could do that. $70,000 for a year for what? For microphones? For microphones. That's what we're getting out of this. Well, I mean, and, and probably also increased police staffing. Sure, but like you know, like you know, you know take take that seventy thousand dollars per square mile and just buy fucking groceries for everybody who lives in that square mile. All right. Well, the, the article wraps up here. Some opponents, some some opponents. Fuck me. Some opponents of the adoption of ShotSpotter have pointed to a Johns Hopkins University study that concluded ShotSpotter had no significant impact on quote, firearm-related homicides or arrest outcomes, end quote, in 68 counties over 17 years. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the study from Washington, D.C. and Oakland, California. That was done by the company that wants to sell this to you. Right. That say maybe, it doesn't even say whether it reduces crime. It just says that gunshots are underreported. We're going to put that up in the fucking marquee of the article. Way down at the bottom where you probably haven't read to because you're already like, whatever, I don't give a shit. Um, it turns out they've, well, they've looked at it over 68 counties, almost 20 years, and found, yeah, this shit doesn't work. It's a massive boondoggle, and it's going to be a waste of money, and it's just going to further lead to you living in a police state. Right, right. But, I mean, to be fair, that report was only done by Johns Hopkins, a very disreputable university that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. Come back to me when, you know. Right. Let, let me know when DeVry does something. Right, right. Brian and Stratton's the... Grand Canyon it, University. Oh, God. Uh, they've also argued its implementation increases the use of stop-and-frisk tactics by police and leads to limited evidence of gun crimes or arrests. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? Ugh. They're just going to force it down our throats, Jim, and we're going we're gonna to say, okay. Yeah. And and then what's going to happen too? I mean, the other thing is this: like, yeah, I, people who are are critical of the police, you know, and there's plenty to be critical of, even if I don't think you you need to be fucking a cab. Um, I think it will lead to more like stop and frisk type stuff because it's like, oh, okay, we heard we heard gunshots in the area, and so you have you know, what, what, we got reports reports of of what the audio system thought was gunshots. So we're going to come and stop every fucking person in the area. Right, right, right. It gives basically gives you an element of carte blanche to go in and be like, well, we had reports of gunshots in the right. area. Right. So again, just, we might as well just like be, you know, quartering soldiers during peacetime. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. So shot spotter trash and, you know, and, and I, I would tell people that they need to be outraged because I think they, they should, but they were outraged. They did let their voices be heard. The city council voted it down. And now it's being presented to the city council again. Um, I'm assuming all this is popping up because, you know, they, they want to think that people have forgotten about this whole thing. Again, uh, I, memory I, hole. I think the reason why this is popping up is uh, cynically, I, Wingo has been tying himself closer to the Buffalo police. He's been seen. He's been doing stuff with Sheriff Garcia. I think he believes that he's going to be primaried probably by India Walton and he wants to be able to attack her as a socialist, but he also wants to be able to get the support from the police union and from the sheriffs and from the, the, the boys in blue in his primary. And I think he's doing this because cynically, just because he expects a primary from the left and that he wants that support and that money for that primary. I think that's why Wingo's doing this. Well, for the price of a short-term game, short-term game that you might get some utility for your primary, uh, Ulysses Wingo is willing to give up yeah, basically the rights of most of the people in his district. Yeah, so that's awesome. Love that for us. Moving on, Jim. The stadium, it's getting built. The new stadium. Yeah, the new Bill Stadium. Where we, you know, hey, <laughs> speaking of things that like nobody really gives a shit uh, about what you think. Um, right. The stadium is being built with, of course, a massive public investment. All right. You've accepted it. You love our beloved big fucking gold, golden retriever quarterback, Josh Allen. You can't get enough of him. You're horny for him. But 
you're like, I don't know. I've got some concerns about the stadium. Okay. I guess they're going to build it, though, even though they're spending all this public money on it. Fine. At the very least, you say, Jim, you're like, you know, I hope they're at least considering the environmental impact that the very least you could do before building this massive fucking boondoggle stadium that we probably don't need. Mm -hmm. But the very least you could do is to make sure that we're not shitting up the planet even more so. Right, we I mean, have been probably you know wetlands or something down there. It could be something, right? You know, you some know. indigenous snail that is only found in that area. Right, and 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 now I'm pulling from the Weekly Post here, Jim Haney's uh, newsletter from the Investigative Post. So, Erie County legislators last week joined the list of elected officials headed by Kathy Hochul and Mark Polencars, who have capitulated to the Buffalo Bills over the team's 1.4 billion dollar stadium project. Lawmakers met in committee Thursday to consider whether the stadium should be subject to a full-blown assessment of its potential impact on the environment. Such reviews are common. Every major league sports venue built in the state in the past 20 years has been subject to one. So, you know, pretty outside the the norm, except for every fucking stadium project in New York state. Um, So too were Buffalo's downtown baseball stadium, and hockey arena. Yet, as reported by Dale Shoemaker, uh, legislators said they don't need, they don't see a need for an environmental impact statement for the bill's project. The full legislature is expected to formally take that position when it meets this coming Thursday. Uh, Their thinking goes something like this. The new stadium will be smaller and more modern and thus have less of a negative impact on the environment than the bill's current home. Left unsaid, Rich Stadium, as it was known back in the day, was never subject to a thorough environmental review, as no laws mandating such a review were on the books in the 1970s when it was built. So we don't know exactly what Highmark Stadium's impact is on the environment. Oh, well, also, like, you know, like they're talking about like the stadiums being modern and the impact there, but like, also, what are they going to be the impact of the like acres upon fucking acres of pavement for the parking lot? I mean, again, like we've already accepted that this is the thing that's going to happen. We've already like we've we're holding our nose. We're saying, fine, okay, Terry Pagula, we're going to help make you billions more dollars. All right, the state of New York is going to assist you in that. The people of New York are going to assist you in that because we can't get enough of the fucking Buffalo Bills. So I assume we're addicted. I I assume that the. Uh, projected cost, the $1.4 billion, included probably a couple hundred thousand dollars um, for uh, an environmental study. So do like, do we get to keep that money? Do we get, to, is that a, like if we don't make them pay that, uh, does the does the state get that money back? Does the county get that money back? We uh, At this point, I mean, really, we know we're going to be on the ass end of this. Fine. Fine. Whatever. I think everybody's sick and tired of the stadium, but the stadium talk. I, I don't need, I barely want to talk about it, but what, what really just sticks. I, I mean, the only th- good thing about the stadium is it's somewhere for Bennett to play once a year. True. That, that, that part is awesome. Um, but really what sticks in my craw is that they can't even go through the motions. They can't even like do the perfunctory things that would say, okay, we did, you know, just like every other stadium project. We, we did a environmental assessment study, uh, we fudged the numbers so that we didn't account for like the massive fucking parking lots and all the gas guzzling cars that come through here. Oh, it looks good. No, it's just like, no, fuck you. We're going to just jam it. Right. Yeah, I mean, not a fucking thing. I mean, I guess, I guess if it, it doesn't matter, like uh, from now on, uh, I'll be doing at cost oil changes in the parking lot at the <laughs> new football stadium. We'll just fucking like, we'll just, instead of like recycling the oil, we'll just dump it onto the fucking ground. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, there's more. There's more from um, Jim Haney's newsletter. I, I encourage you to read. I'm not going to give away the whole thing, but it all stinks to the high heavens to me. But again, we're we're going to get that stadium by God, right? So. Yeah, uh, get ten oil changes. Get a carton of cigarettes for free. Oh, oh, not not great. Well, moving on, Jim. We're still, you know, th- today is all sunshine and roses, frankly, because. Right, yeah. You know, we uh, we had our Christmas party. We got all the joy 
out of our hearts. And frankly, may it never come back. Right. Bah humbug. No, no, no joy, no happiness. Um, it's all, it's all grim. It's all news. I don't care. The Christmas spirit that's dead. That's gone. All right. We're, we're, we're full Grinch mode. We've now. exercised the Christmas spirit. We've exercised it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Get those demons mm-hmm. out of our system. Mm-hmm. So. The, the power of Christ compels you. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Jim, do you remember um, redlining? Oh, yeah. It's never happened again. What we, we finally found out about it. We were like, whoopsie, must have been a mistake, and it's never happened again. You know, like that thing back in the 50s, like the sock hops or... The ice cream socials, mm-hmm. you know, reefer madness, reefer madness. Yeah, uh, we left it in in the past, right? Redlining. Well, it turns out, redlining, it never went away. Whoopsie doodle. Oh no, we have been uh, subject to you know our minority African American folks here in in Buffalo um, being denied housing and being denied opportunities to own their own homes, thanks to well. A large bank in the area, Jim. One that uh, you might open a lock with. You might pick a lock with it. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Everybody's favorite bank, Key Bank. Skeleton Key Bank. Skeleton Key Bank. Skeleton Key Bank. So, back to the Buffalo News, because it's all we got. And they're the ones reporting on it, even if it's trash. Community Coalition criticizes Key Bank over lending to black customers. I, I love it. By the way, I, I cannot get enough... They, the the Buffalo News takes a look at the New York Times and they're like, your headlines aren't obsequious enough. We really need to obscure this a little bit more. We really need to make it just, you know, mm-hmm. that much less uh, clear to people. Community Coalition criticizes KeyBank over lending to black customers. Not KeyBank is fucking redlining. Right. Um, but a national coalition of community groups is, is criticizing KeyBank for originating mortgages with few black customers in Buffalo and claims the bank quote appears to have been engaged in systemic redlining quote in some cities, including Buffalo. Um, The national community reinvestment coalition also said it has stopped working with key on extending a community benefits plan that the Cleveland based bank developed in partnership with the NCRC uh, when key was first acquiring first Niagara bank six years ago. Key bank executives looked community groups in the eye and promised to become a leader on inclusive home mortgage lending, then did the exact opposite, said Jesse Van Toll, president and CEO of the Washington, D.C.-based NCRC. They used those promises to get a merger approved, then cashed out huge dividends from the deal for their own gain while steering their company away from black neighborhoods, black borrowers, and other marginalized communities, Van Toll said. Uh, Of course, KeyBank... Jim said it strongly disagrees with the NCRC's characterization of the bank's community benefits plan performance and lending activities. Well, you know, I believe them. I can't believe that anybody in the financial industry would ever be uh, untruthful or do anything that might bring harm to others. Yeah, they they disagree. They said they don't disagree, uh, discriminate uh, anybody. Believe it or not, that's what KeyBank is saying. Um, so, okay, and they, I'm I'm scrolling through this here to get you the money. Uh, the money shot here. All right. So citing federal data, this is skipping over a few paragraphs, but citing federal data, the NCRC said black borrowers in the Buffalo area got mortgage loans from key just 65 times in 2021, accounting for only 2% of the bank's production in the market last year. The report said other top banks in Buffalo were two and a half times as likely to originate a loan to a black borrower as, as key bank. Um, so, I mean, it's not like, you know, other banks in the area, this is on par with it. I mean, it's, that's pretty ridiculous uh, discrepancy to me. Key bank saying, it's just old school. I mean, it really is like old school racism. Yeah. I I mean, I say old school because it's currently happening. It's been continuing to happening. But when we talk about shit like redlining, it's not like it's a thing of the past. No. I know we joked about it, but really, it just keeps happening. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, and I, I would argue that you know, maybe this isn't the case. I mean, I'm sure the, 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 it's far be it from the banks, despite me saying that you know they would never be untruthful, uh, that they ever pause doing this. Um, but you know, given the the movement right by the, the Republican Party in this country, 
and the push towards more openly accepting, you know, just blatant racism by them, by at least one of the major political parties, I'm not surprised to see that, you know, at least some major institutions are doing this. For sure. And and let me, I'll, I'll read this part here before I have a few more thoughts on that. But um, so the NCRC also claimed he's lending patterns in Buffalo show severe indications of redlining based on data from 2018 to 2021. In neighborhoods with higher black populations, there's also no evidence, there's almost no evidence of lending by Key Bank, the report said. So, um, you know, we talk about Buffalo here as, you know, we, we have wrestled often, Jim, with the problem of gentrification as rents go up, as private, uh, you know, cooperatives, not cooperatives, but private groups, private businesses gobble up a lot of property in the area. And as a result, people are, are being pushed out. Um, and it's pretty clear that, you know, in addition to that, like the flip side of that is this, that uh, African-Americans, that minorities are being boxed out. And it's systemic. Like, it's not it's not an accident. They're doing it on purpose. And KeyBank in particular, I mean, it says here, among the state agency's findings were that only 9.7% of total loans in the Buffalo region were made to minorities, less than half of what would be expected, given that minorities were about 20% of the area's population. So the rest of the banks are pretty bad. Like, it's pretty bad. KeyBank is like, we can be worse than that. Right. KeyBank is like, like, like you know, you, you've got, you know, whatever, name X bank here, and they're like, well, we're, we're racist, and KeyBank's like, hold our beer. Right, like that's essentially what it is. Uh, it's it's insane to me that like, yes, you would expect given the percentage of the population that like twenty percent of the loans would be for minorities, and KeyBank was at what like less than three percent in, in in Buffalo. Also nationally, so just for context here, that you might be thinking, oh well, maybe they're good in other places. <laughs> Believe it or not, they're pretty shitty across the board. The NCRC in its report said nationally, Key ranked last last among the nation's top 50 mortgage lenders in loans made to black applicants in 2021 with just 2.2 of its total originations. The NCRC has also said he has done less lending to both black and low to moderate income borrowers with each passing year since 2018. So again, how do we get worse? How do we do it? Oh my God. Uh, maybe, maybe they're thinking that, the people will just go, well, nice guys finished last, right? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pr- there's a lot more in the article here that basically shows that these people are giant pieces of shit. But. Yep. All right, well, uh, see you later. Smell you later, KeyBank. Oh, good thing that, you know, they don't have, like, a massive presence in our community. Right, yeah. I that mean, would really suck, right? Yeah. It'd be really embarrassing. To, if there was anything named after them. Wow. Just be hilariously embarrassing to have right. their name over you know, something like an arena maybe mm-hmm. who's to say well jim you know it's uh may- maybe we're sick maybe that's we're, we're so upset maybe the news has got us down so bad because we're sick yeah that's that's why that's why i'm uh currently consuming some uh antivirals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. clean out your system mm-hmm. alcohol kills all the germs right. yep and also uh the slowest brain cells um, so it's, you know, the survival of the fittest for my brain cells. It's flu season. It is flu season. It's flu season. It's get your flu shots, boys and girls. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, um, I, I pretty much everybody, every other person I know is sick with the flu, COVID. Some people, RSV is still kicking around. Yeah. It, it transferred from kids. Um, this is our PSA square podcast PSA to get your flu shots. Yeah. Get your flu shots. Uh, I said boys and girls earlier, but I don't want to exclude our, our non-binary friends. So uh, get get your flu shots, everybody. Yeah, um, everybody. Get your flu shots. Um, it's serious. I mean, you know, like if you're otherwise healthy, are you going to die from the flu? Probably not. But why bother getting sick in the first place? Like, you know, just get your flu shot and stave it off. Um, I, I think this year's flu is particularly brutal and it's particularly prevalent right now. Um and you know what? You know, we haven't had 
terrible. Like we had well, like well, one weekend of bad weather, but like if the weather's fairly decent for winter. Uh, you can actually go and do stuff. You can enjoy things. The Nowhere Lounge is opening soon in Kenmore. Hell yeah. That's something you'll want to check out. Get your flu shot so that you'll be healthy so you can do this kind of shit. Yeah. You don't want to be like, sorry, guys, can't come out. I'm pretty sick. Right. Nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, I don't want that. Oh, also, the getting the flu sucks. It sucks. Like it, I, I, I haven't had the flu in, in years because I get my flu shot. And, you know, but the, the last time I had the flu, I was like, man, this is, this is like, if this is what this feels like and I know I'm going to live, I don't know. I can't imagine what dying is going to feel like. <laughs> I'm hot, sweaty, shitting my brains out. Right. No, thanks. Yeah. Say no. I got my flu shot on Friday. I, you know, I, I, I was a good boy and I'm, I probably should have gotten earlier actually. So I'm not that good of a boy, but I did it and you should too. Yep. So get on that shit. Jim. Campaign finances. Yeah. That's, Where are uh, we at? Well, so I, I wanted to serve up a nice steaming dish of vegetables this week. Um, but uh, there seems to be some issues with the campaign finance uh, site. Um, it looks like if I wanted to check by recipient, I could, like, see all the donations, but I couldn't necessarily check their expenses, so I can't see, like, the, the final balance for everybody. Like, I could find, um, you know, Zelda Funky Homo Sapiens. Mm-hmm. And Governor Hochul's, I found Sean Ryan's. It did. It wasn't easy. Ed Rass, I found, but it was under his county legislator campaign, which wasn't active this year. He was running for state senate, and he'd been a state senator. Uh, but then, like Mickey Kearns, just didn't exist. Sandy McDonald just didn't exist. Pat Burke just didn't exist. Um, and I know that they like. And I don't mean like their December post general filing didn't exist. I mean. No filing existed for them. Um, so uh, I, uh, I I will get uh, to eventually to the vegetables, but maybe I I I, may, I joke that maybe the person who does the database for the state had some PTO that they were either going to lose or they had to use it. So we'll find out in January when they fix the uh, database when they come back from their cruise. Right. Well, we'll we'll get you those. We're we're, we're Slow roasting those vegetables, but we'll get them to you, baby. Don't worry. Doug Jamal. Dougie Doug. We we can't go a week without talking about Doug. No, I can't get enough of him. I wish he dressed like Doug from the cartoon. Do we know anybody who looks like Patty Mayonnaise that we can pay to like show up to all of his press conferences? Patty, you're the mayonnaise for me. Whoa. Right. And, and or like Skeeter, who can also show up. Jim, you can dress up like Roger Klontz. Okay. <laughs> you got to get like a black leather jacket, <laughs> have your hair pointing up like a lightning bolt. But, uh, you know, it, what if we do a GoFundMe to uh, get Conan O'Brien to show up and dress like Roger? Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, to show up to a press conference and then just heckle Doug the entire time. Byron Brown already kind of looks like Mayor Dink. You know, he's kind of like, kind of already does. Like, yeah. he's got the glasses. He's got the big goofy face. Yeah, Doug Jamal, uh, just can't get enough of him, baby. He's just such a, just a snack. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But what's he doing now? He's got the Richardson. Uh, yeah, he, he, just he quick, owns it. Just a quick hit. Uh, well, I don't know if he owns it or he got the rights to the it. Rights to it. Um, to run it, running it. Um, I think the state owns it, but he's got the rights to running it. And he announced it's going to be a combination of apartments and hotel rooms, which is I think what other people want to do in the in the first place. Um, and uh, I, I mean whatever, like. I've been there. I was there for a wedding. I was there for a couple other events. I was there just drinking at the bar one time. Um, still kind of a creepy building. There's still uh, a psych center on campus, like not that far from there. I don't know, not not necessarily like a building that I'd want to live in or necessarily get in a, a hotel room in, but apparently I think it's going to work. Best of luck. I hope they actually pay the employees this time as opposed to like, here's a bottle of wine. Thanks for the 12 hours of work. Best luck with that. Well, speaking of the cast of characters that we have here in our, in our dumb city. Yep. 
you know, I'm almost I'm almost hesitant to talk about this guy. I, I whenever this guy comes up, because un, unlike other beloved characters of this podcast, this this guy, you know, he's doing it just to suck up all the oxygen to make a really foul smelling fire. Hey, but you know, I. I had stinks. A, I had multiple people at the Christmas show tell me that they want to hear more about this guy. And and who are we? And who are we to not give the people what they want? Right. Who are we you know, to not give the people what they want? So we were we democratically elected to run the square. <laughs> Get out of here. We're capitalists, baby. We're making that money. You want to hear about uh Mayor Ben? Mayor Ben? You're getting the mayor Ben. Ben watch. Let's go. Woo woo. Senator Mayor Ben. Senator Mayor Ben. So uh, he he tweeted, uh, maybe happy trails to Senator Mayor Ben. So long, farewell, uh, that uh, he and his wife are, are joining the millions of people who have left New York for Florida uh, because they don't want to get the unscientific, scary terrible jab and then he had a twitter thread about asking people to tell them all about like uh healthy people they knew that got the jab and then suddenly died because that never happened before literally he said it never happened before like nobody ever was like a healthy like 30 year old and then suddenly died of any cause at all prior to people who then who got the covid jab it never happened like never happened yeah just never like you know, like, like the person I knew who isn't like, like their mid twenties and healthy who had an aneurysm and died didn't happen. That shit doesn't happen. Yeah, it just it did never happen. Um, but no, he he said he's joining the millions of people, and uh, I was like, yeah, I, I would like to see um, millions. I would like to, the, the the actual number um, of people that have moved to Florida from New York State. Uh, I, I think Rusty posted on the Discord that he was able to find something that from like the Florida DMV that said that they had trained like did like 67,000 like New York to Florida license changes. Although I'd like to see also like how many people from Florida came to New York and those license changes. Right. I mean, yeah, look, there's certainly going to be some exodus of people. um, One, just because it's natural attrition like people move places they get jobs yeah, they, well, I, you know natural movement i wouldn't say exodus is even too strong of a word well right i i'm just saying like it's it's natural for you know people to move to florida i, I guess yeah, the weather's you, nicer you get old you get old you know I, or maybe you're like you're like the only thing left on my bucket list is to die in a hurricane right i mean you live in the city of buffalo the the shoveling is lackluster and you're like i don't want to be fucking stuck in my house during the winter i'm gonna go to florida where they don't have winter so that part makes sense, but uh, yeah, Mayor Ben, check your numbers, pal. Check your numbers. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Drop in the millions, like Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson back in the day, and the millions of of people going to Florida from New York. Uh, not buying it because it's fucking bullshit. There's there's probably a few thousand, right? Is that what Rusty had posted? Uh, yeah, I mean tens of thousands, but tens like of thousands? like that's so far away from millions. It's so far away from millions, and also it's just so far away from anything being really, like, significant to me. You know, like, even if it was, like, a million, you might be like, oh, okay, let's, that's a lot of people. No, it was essentially, like, what if, like, Hamburg moved to Florida? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, oh, I mean, like. We love Hamburg. Right, yeah, I mean, like, a lot you of people. don't want Hamburg to move to Florida. Right, yeah, I mean. you did. Right, but, I mean, but, like. You know, maybe once you paint that water tower to look like a hamburger and then leave, like, okay, well, that's fine, Hamburg. Like, then you can move. Then you can move, yeah. Leave the water tower right behind. Yeah, take the gun, but leave the water tower behind. Leave the water tower behind. Take I, the shot spotter, leave the water tower behind. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I think that's the news, Jim. I think that's uh, this week in news. We are still sponsored by our friends at Community Beer Works. So listen for uh, the their advertisement to play after the segment, followed by an interview with our friend Alex Burgos. Yeah, a great guy. Um, a, a smart, strong, youthful leader here in, in Buffalo. Um, I really expect big things. That, you know, If you haven't heard his name before, um, get it on your radar because you're going to hear his name a lot in the future. Yes, he is he is the, the the hipness. He's the hotness. So, 
Uh, stay tuned for our interview with Alex, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager, and, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do, and good things happen. And welcome back to The Square. Uh, today we have uh, a community leader and activist, Alex Burgos. Did I say that correctly? Yep. All right. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, um, Alex, you know, for people who don't know about you, give us a quick, like, you know, little elevator speech uh, about, like, who you are and you know, why, you know, when I call you a community leader, uh, you know, people can take me at my word. Well, you know, first and foremost, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, but I think if someone were to call me a leader, uh, it wouldn't be just because of any recognition I had received. I think it has to do maybe with the work that I've done far before I've gotten any recognition. Um, I've been someone that's been committed to, uh, you know, enhancing the community and addressing public health needs especially racial health equity for uh, many, many years now. And uh, my entire professional career has been dedicated to that. Um, little bio, uh, born and raised in Buffalo, New York, um, from a family from Puerto Rico. Um, I have my mom, my dad, my brother, you know, we love our city. Uh, I was recently elected into the Erie County Democratic Committee as a committee member. And I both in Western New York and statewide, uh, advocating for our communities, uh, you know, through advocating for legislative policy change or trying to bring more funding to Western New York. Yeah, uh, and, and that's you know that's your work in uh, advocacy as as kind of where I uh, you first popped up on my radar, um, and you know you talk about like you know, health equity, like what are some of the issues that you know need to be addressed statewide and then especially here in Buffalo. Well, there is one particular issue that I am heavily focused on right now that actually many of my colleagues uh, are focused on, which is 340B. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it is a program through the state and the federal government that provides community health centers uh, with reimbursement on their prescriptions uh, to help them fund programs within said organizations. So that can be an organization that maybe offers primary care or HIV testing, getting that funding maybe also allows them to have things like a food pantry or a community drop-in center, or uh, it, it overall just helps them create uh, fuller wraparound services um, that that funding is critical for. Is this is this like FQHCs or is it you know for other entities besides just those uh, FQHCs? I believe it's for FQHCs. Uh, those are primarily the organizations that I see leading the way with it. Right. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to my work, I primarily speak on behalf of FQHCs. Okay. Re, be, be, play the role of the uh, listener. Do you know what an FQHC is? F, uh, f friends, countrymen, <laughs> lend me your ears. No, I, I'm going to guess it's a community health center, some kind of community health center, Alex. Federally qualified look-alike health center. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so help me out here because, all right. So, three forty B, that that's the funding that comes. Is it coming from the state or is it coming from the federal government? It's both. Both. It's both. Oh, so, tricky, uh, tricky. You know, okay. It, it's an issue both on the national level and on the state level. So, you know, we're kind of at the eleventh hour with three forty B. Uh, because, you know, as we go, as we head back into session in the new year, uh, that's going to be one of the big uh, talking points, I think. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I just try to be optimistic and do my part in making sure that my communities, um, especially the underserved, are heard. Are they cutting funding? Is that what's going on with this? Well, I mean, I would guess like... At a car bar is proposed. Right, yeah. Okay. So 
close. I, I'm I'm yeah. the list in, in this in this episode. I'm the listener who has no idea what's going on, so I need to be educated. So I appreciate uh, the the information. Um, and, and then you know, and then this is you know partly like, well, this is you know an issue of racial equity. And, and Alex, if I go astray here, please correct me. But I, I think it's is that these community centers often are more likely located in areas uh, where uh, minority individuals are more populous or more, more, are more likely to live um, and serve that community more often than uh, those organizations, the, uh, the community organizations or non-community organizations, maybe like your private care facility or private uh, PCP, uh, primary care physician, uh, would be out in a, a more predominantly white area. So when they carve out these fundings or, or when they, they talk about uh, eliminating funding for this, it's going to disproportionately hurt uh, the non-white population. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing about uh, federally qualified health centers is that they can't turn you away regardless of your ability to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the funding that they receive, it allows for them to serve absolutely everybody uh, whether that be folks that are uninsured or underinsured, um, folks who are homeless, uh, folks who are living with you know chronic conditions and maybe can't necessarily afford medication, uh, or whatever the case may be, but I it is one hundred percent a racial health equity issue, and uh, many of our organizations that are located in both Buffalo's east and west side um, are you know uh, reliant on this funding. Um, you know, so it, it's a race issue. Um, it's a LGBTQ issue. It's mm-hmm. a um, women's issue. It's a poverty issue. Um, so really anyone that uh, generally falls short or falls into the cracks of the healthcare system, this will inevitably hurt them. Mm-hmm. And so like turning a little bit from here, because you have also done some work uh, advocating and working on for like economic development here in the city and in Western New York in general. And, you know, by providing for people's health, you provide them, I think, a basis for economic development for own, their own personal growth. But talk about like more macro growth or, or larger scale or, or what your ideas are for what we can do here in, in Western New York. Well, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, the belief and the belief in ourselves and what we can do and what we can achieve and what is possible is extremely important. Um, If you don't believe, you can't achieve, I always say. Uh, So, you know, at least what I do on my part is I do a lot of community programming uh, where I talk about economic development, where I teach youth, especially from underserved communities, about business, about entrepreneurship, about uh, economics, um, and in the ways that they can, you know, feel more in the loop, um, you know, a lot of that is actually more um, sensitive and backdoor work that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't always necessarily disclose uh, the ways in which, uh, you know, I, I work in that realm. But mm-hmm. I'm always looking inwards within Buffalo, but I'm always looking outwards as well uh, to bring things back, if that makes sense. Yeah. What what's something you think we could bring here from the outside? Like what? I I know you know a lot of people think that we're pretty much like a, at least if you live in New York City, you think Buffalo is like this backwater podunk town. We know we're we're not we're not so podunk around here. All right, we're on the vanguard of stuff. We're cool. We're hip. Yes. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities, Alex. So all right, we we put you we put you in charge. You're the czar. You're the you are the emperor. Uh, of Buffalo, give me something you're doing. Give me something you're bringing like tomorrow. I'll give an example. Uh, Micron is actually opening in Syracuse. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. and that will bring tens of thousands of jobs to the Syracuse region. Um, and so, part of the reason why that happened is simply because they reached out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes all it takes is reaching out. Um, and you know, that, that, and putting our best foot forward, um, is economic development, but I also believe that arts and culture being integrated within our education system, within, uh, our community is also intertwined to economic development. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely, right? Like, I, you know, I, I think that's that, a more wholesome answer than I would have had, Alex. Uh, I, I, for Alex, is a lot more of a of a peaceful ruler than I would be, because mm-hmm. I would probably, you know, make Byron Brown do backflips for me or something. I, but I, 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 public ownership of everything. <laughs> uh, we get our pitchforks in the agrarian revolt, but um, uh, but speaking of uh, leading, leading, whether you're actually, you know pretend czar like in Ree's world, but you actually are a leader, uh, Alex, in uh, both the Latino community and the LGBTQ community here in Buffalo. Um, yes. You know, and, you know, I mean, you're, you're a young guy. What are you, 24? Oh, <laughs> where did you get that from? Oh, uh, yeah. look, I, I, I do my research. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, talk about you know being a leader in these communities, both at, at such a young age, and you know how you how you find yourself there, and you know, you know what you want to do now that you know you're able to you know have your voice heard and help project the voices of others. Well, you know, I always i i say I always had a voice. I just didn't know the value that it had for many many years until I actually just started believing in myself and giving myself a chance to fight before, you know, getting knocked out. Um, You know, I am someone who uh, was born and raised in Buffalo. I was always uh, in Buffalo's West Side, um, especially, you know, uh, uh, with my father, um, who's a West Side legend, if, if you know who he is. So, you know, seeing the way that the community has changed on Niagara and Hudson in particular, Uh, that community has always been very, very important to me. And the people there have always been very, very important to me. I think I I bring a very interesting lens being in that intersection of both being a person of color and being a member of the LGBT community, um, both in the ways uh, in which I exist and the ways that's politicized and also in the ways that I lead. When I think of the work that I do, what it always draws back to is the people that I serve the people whose lives I am impacting, the people who are seeing themselves in me, and the people who will eventually come after me. Because I always say, this work is not about me. It's not about what I can do for myself. It's about planting the seeds for a tree that I'll never lay under. Yeah, that's, I think that's great. So, I mean, I mean, I guess like <laughs> with, with that kind of attitude, uh, I, I know you're, you just recently were elected to the committee, when are you going to run for uh, something maybe a little larger than the committee? <laughs> um, you know, is, is that is that in the cards or is that something that you think about? Um, you know, I, I can't really, uh, <laughs> I can't see into the future. Okay. You know, I'm just very happy with what I'm doing now, and each day. Uh, I build towards something bigger. I build towards larger impact. I build towards greater change. And I think I'm just starting to be on the brink of uh, seeing that work come into fruition in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, I, I was laughing. Not, not everything you said, I, I, I agree with. But I was laughing because I'm like, man, 24. I, I speak for all the listeners here, Jim, who you know, are most likely uh, 30s and perhaps 40s, uh, maybe beyond listeners who hear all this and say, first off, Alex, how dare you? How how dare you be so young and precocious? Buffalo under 30 for 30 list, huh? That's pretty cool. How dare I? I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I know when I was 24, uh, we're, we're recording this at like 11 on Sunday morning. And uh, I would be just getting home from the pink right now. There's no way I'd be up doing an interview. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. They have good steak sandwiches. Yeah, they have oh, great yeah, steak dude. sandwiches. Hell oh, yeah, hell yeah, dude. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I want to, uh, I want to wrap up uh, real quick, but I, I want to talk about, you know, now uh, we finally have you on the square. Uh, we want to have you back, um, and it's you moved, you you worked your way up to here. Uh, you know, before this, you were on NBC News. You finally got to us. Finally. Uh, but what <laughs> what was it like? Uh, you know, getting a little bit of national exposure. Oh my God, um, surreal. I'm still processing it. I mean, let me tell you something. Whether it's local or national, it all still feels very unreal, and it all still. I, I still come back to gratitude with everything that I do. So being here, this is a podcast that I would listen to at the gym on SoundCloud 
and now I'm on it. <laughs> you know, NBC News, I've been watching that with my parents, um, even back to the days of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in the primary together. And then I was on that same news station. So, I mean, really, each time anything happens, it's humbling and it, it brings me back to gratitude. I have to say, you just made me feel so incredibly old. We're like all the way back to the days of Barack Obama versus Hillary Clinton. <laughs> the, the, the first presidential election I voted it for was Bush Gore. Oh, I'm hung. I'm hung up. Well, I'm hung up on the fact that you listen to us at the gym because I I got to say, like, I hate hearing my own voice, but I really wonder how it plays. While you know, like you're on the treadmill and you're like, I gotta get to that, you know, third mile. Yeah, it's and it's, here's these fucking idiots. Like, right, yeah, it's, 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 he goes, oh, well, Angus the shape shifting badger. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, Jim selling <laughs> cigarettes to kids at Canisius again. <laughs> Listen, it's better than like any, uh, I don't know, dance track that you see on a Spotify workout playlist. We don't do NPR voice. I so, yeah. so, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I, I wish I could do like, you know, NPR guy voice, but I think that's a, a, a an asset of ours, Jim, is that we sound like we sound like you people. We right. sound like idiots because, you know, that's sounds like you're having a conversation with us. Well, I always say, you know, uh, with anyone, the market is missing the you. So always do you. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to thank you for joining us and talking a little bit about like your health, adv- healthcare advocacy and uh, racial equity and healthcare today. Um, I want to have you back at some point and I want to talk about voter engagement and, you know, you're from a different generation than I am and getting those generations out. Um, but I think, I think it's better if we partition those into two separate interviews. Uh, so I think that like, you know, we talked about the, the healthcare equity and the, the healthcare advocacy. And, um, if you could, uh, I'm just going to ask you on, on air, text me a couple of links that I can share in our discord and also retweet out. So for people to uh, further educate themselves about what they can do and what is at stake here, especially with a three forty B that would be something that would be great for us to do. Yeah. I'm on that right now. All right. And uh, if you want to be found on social media, where can people find you on social media? Um, Instagram, Alex Burgos and why Facebook, Alex Burgos and why, LinkedIn is just my full name, Alexandre, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E, Burgos, B-U-R-G-O-S. Um, do I have anything else? Are, are you a TikTok influencer yet? You know, actually, I got a deal recently with Disney Touring Company uh, to promote Aladdin while it was in town, and I did use my TikTok for the first time to promote <laughs> that. That's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> That's and, and we all know that that Twitter's dying, so we'll just pretend like that Twitter doesn't exist doesn't anymore. Exist. Dying? I thought it was already dead. Uh, <laughs> well, it's 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 yeah, it's on like the uh, it's been intubated, but it's almost there out there. It's so, like it's on life support, and right. someone is sneaking in to pull the plug. That's yeah. right. So, all right, Alex Burgos, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for coming to the Square this week. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thanks, Alex. Thank- 